Morning. Good to see you all, and especially visitors, parents, grandparents, friends. It's good to be together in this time of dedicating our children. Let's pray together. Father, we do come to you this morning in humility, with desire to receive from you in your word, in your promises. God, we ask that you would blow through this place by your Holy Spirit in our hearts, awaken us, enliven us, make us aware of your, of your truth, of your promise to us. So we ask for that, and we ask in the name of Jesus and by his blood, amen. I do want to say that it's, it's, a, it's such an interesting thing to dedicate children to the Lord, and you know, we were up here with Edith and that's our fifth child, and it, it's, um, it's a good thing to remember that we depend on God and not ourselves for anything good, for all things, and especially our offspring. God has a heart for the offspring. He commands that we be fruitful and multiply for humanity in Genesis, and it's a good thing, and we take it seriously. We're going to see a theme of that even today. If you noticed in verse 9, it says that the offspring of the Lord will be blessed. If you read in, it says that they are the offspring the Lord has blessed. That the nations will take note of this. That God has offspring and they are blessed. And they notice it. The peoples of the earth notice People of the earth notice our families. They notice our offspring. This morning, we all took note of our offspring. It's a blessed thing. It's a blessed thing because we have it, and it's a blessed thing because we also have it taken away. We know that in this church. We know that with many mothers who have lost a child in miscarriage or, or a child in some way. Fathers. We remember the offspring, because it is so important, it is so valuable, and it's such a blessing. And when it's taken, we can feel it. So it's a special day. It's a Mother's Day, and it's a day to dedicate these children. And we do it in the presence of a community, and in a way, we're asking God to bless us. Even in the song we sang, Shine on You, it's, it's taken, the chorus of that is taken from Numbers chapter 6 that we're going to look at in a minute, where Aaron, the priest of the Lord, speaks a blessing on Israel that God's face would shine upon them. This was a blessing. Many of you know that blessing. Even people that aren't Christians know that blessing. It's traditional. It's a famous song now that Elevation Worship put out, The Blessing. Who's heard that song, The Blessing? From your children to your children, may he bless you. We love the blessing of God. We ask for his blessing on us and his provision. We sing that in our songs. But why do we seek blessing? Why, why do we seek it? Well, we're made to seek it. We're, we're creatures that have been designed to be blessed, to be looked upon with favor. People have lots of ways that they seek the blessing of another. Sometimes it's very contrived. Sometimes it's very manipulated. I think of the, the movie 
Indiana Jones and the Lost Crusade. The Last Crusade, not the Lost. <laughs> the Lost Crusade. The Last Crusade. I don't, most people know this, right? You have chosen wisely. I'm reminded of the scene where uh, they're all coming to the end of it, and Indiana Jones and then the bad guy who's, I don't remember his name because you're not supposed to remember bad guy's name. He's, he's with the Nazis. He's a bad guy. They're both there in the room where the, the Holy Grail, the cup the Lord drank from, supposedly, the night before he was crucified. It, it, they're in this room, and the bad guy goes first. He has to choose out of hundreds of cups, and there's this knight in shining armor, an old man. They're guarding the grail, and he says, you must choose, and there's hundreds of cups, and the guy chooses the most amazing-looking cup. Well, the problem is, if you drink from the Holy Grail, this is not true, by the way, this is all folklore. This is not preaching the truth. If you choose the wrong cup, you die on the spot. If you choose the right cup, you have immortality. Well, the, the first guy chooses poorly, as, as the old knight says. And he does die very graphically on the screen in front of you. Still remember that from when I was five. <laughs> Thanks, Mom and Dad. Screening, screening what I watch. He dies. He is cursed. We don't want that. Nobody wants a curse. Die. We want blessing. Well, of course, Indiana Jones chooses wisely. And he is blessed. But the only reason Indiana Jones is in that room, really, is because his dad is dying further up into the palace place they're in. He's dying. He needs immortality. He needs healing. He needs life. And so what does Indiana Jones do? He does everything he can to just get the right cup so he can get the healing, the eternal life magic that this thing brings. The blessing, more or less. And he does, and he brings it to his dad, and he pours it over the wound in his chest, and the dad is healed. This is the intention of blessing. Blessing is to be shared. Blessing is for sharing and giving and being amidst. It's why we do this in community with dedication. It's not just for one family, for one child. The blessing is for us. And we pass it on to our children and to their children and to their children. This is the power of blessing. And in this passage, the offspring are blessed and everyone sees it. And like this movie illustrates, we often think of blessing as the result of something we do. You choose wisely, you get blessed. We work hard, we make good money. We're nice, people are nice to us. This is the American version of blessing. And it's not altogether inaccurate. This happens. We teach our children these ways, in fact, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Not wrong. Not incorrect, but it is incomplete. What you earn, you tend to hoard. You have earned it, so you keep it. And that's incomplete. 
and it's deathly. This mentality doesn't, sh- doesn't lend itself to sharing blessing if you earn it. And so what is blessing? What is it meant for? How does it come? Well, today we see in this passage that really the whole chapter 61, Donovan spoke last week about verses 1 through 4. Sorry, he didn't speak, he preached. Let me catch myself before he corrects me. Donovan preached on verses 1 through 4 last week, and this was, it's full of great stuff. Healing, deliverance, freedom. We call, we call these things blessings. How many of you have said, isn't it a blessing to live in a land where we're not persecuted for our faith? So isn't it a blessing that we have children that are healthy? Isn't it a blessing that we, these are good things, health, freedom. We think of them as blessing. And that is what's being described in this passage. They are good things. And today's verses are a continuation of that same thought. They are good things the Lord is doing to his people. Now, when does this all take place? Some of you might ask, this is Isaiah. He's speaking to the Israelites. Is this for us? Is this for them? Is this for the future? And I would say, yes. It's fulfilled in a near way in the nation of Israel. They will be blessed when they come out of exile. There is a certain amount of blessing on them. But we also see it unfolding if we read our Bibles in the life of Jesus and what he does. It's fulfilled in the church, the people that are in Jesus, in Christ, that are his body. It's fulfilled then in the new heavens and the new earth to come. It is the way God is. And it will unfold throughout history and it will continue for eternity. Blessing is our lot. But we need to get a better grasp of this is if we, by looking at the story. That's a lot. There's a lot going on here. Why does this all come to this point in Isaiah? So I want to use three ways to get at this. And I want to see, see God's story, really, of blessing the world in God's word, in God's world, things he has made, and in God's work. So God's word, God's world, and God's work. And in in God's word, we see the story unfold through the scriptures, through the Bible. We see that even from the very beginning, there has been blessing. God creates man and woman in the garden. And in Genesis 1.28, he blesses them. He blesses them, it says. God blessed them. And said that this is good, what I've made. But we move on from there because, I don't know if you remember this, um, but Adam and Eve sinned. After they were blessed, they sinned. That means that they disobeyed God. They made themselves the center and God was on the fringes. They didn't believe him. They didn't trust him. They didn't receive his blessing in a full way. They thought, I have to do something. I have to discern what's better. I have to discern what is good. And so they believed the serpent who deceived Eve, and they ate from a tree that he said not to eat from. And they were covered with shame. They knew they were naked. And the story goes on. 
But even in their sin, Jesus, or God, sorry, the Father, Yahweh, says to them in Genesis chapter 3, he says to the woman, you will have offspring. Remember that word? You will have offspring, and this offspring is going to crush the head of the serpent. Your offspring will be blessed. Even though you have been blessed and you gave it up for your own way, I will redeem and I will continue to bless and it will come through offspring. And so this is a promise we see in Genesis 3. Well, years and years go by. A few things happen like a flood and Nephilim and all kinds of stuff happen in the book of Genesis. But we come to chapter 12 of Genesis after the nations have been scattered at the Tower of Babel. And there's a man that comes on the scene, and his name is Abraham. Remember, we're looking at God's story through his word. And Abraham comes along, whose name means the father of many people. That's what his name means. In other words, the father of offspring. And God says to Abraham... Let me read it to you. He says, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. What is a family of the earth? We're going to get into that. It's the nations. Just like in our passage today in verse 9, it says that among the nations, his offspring will be known. Their descendants in the midst of the peoples and all who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. This is the fulfillment in some ways of what God said to Abraham in Genesis 12. I'm going to make you blessing you, I'm going to make you a nation, and that nation will be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. Okay, so we've got God's blessing and his redemption of Adam and Eve and their offspring. We have it show up again with Abraham and his offspring in Genesis 12. And then we have this wonderful verse that I spoke about earlier from Numbers chapter 6. And this is Aaron, hundreds of years later now, after Abraham. That now there's a people called the Israelites who are wandering in the wilderness. They're called by Yahweh, God, his name. And Aaron is a priest. He serves God on behalf of the people, and he serves the people towards God. And he, he says this over them. He says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Like I said, this is why we sung that song earlier, that he would shine on us. So what is blessing? We haven't really defined it. We know it's a good thing. Blessing is God himself. God himself, his favor, his presence, 
not things that he gives you. They are, the, they are an expression of who he is towards you. To be blessed by God is to have him. To have his presence, to have his favor. Oh, what it would mean to have the favor of God. Like Adam and Eve had the favor of God. What did Adam and Eve do to get that? Nothing. What did Abraham do? You know what the scripture says? He had faith. Faith that came from God. The Hebrew word for, for blessing is Barak. It's a good name. It occurs over 400 times in the Old Testament. Over 400 times. This is a theme we have to see. And here's a summation of what it's getting at. Blessing does not work in the form of a magical power overflowing man. It's not a psychical power which makes its possessor a lucky fellow and endows him with special ability. The blessing of Yahweh, Yahweh is the name of God, the blessing of Yahweh is the gracious divine gift which he dispenses in sovereign freedom, granting his favor to individuals or to a people and causing the work of their hands to succeed. So it's a gift. It comes from Yahweh. It's not magical. It's not hocus pocus. It's not like Indiana Jones. You know, you do this, you drink this, you're going to get this, and then if you don't do it right, you're going to get killed on the screen and your face is going to disintegrate. It's not like that. It's, got, it's, it's that it is a gift. Listen to this. This is, by the way, from a theological dictionary, so it means it's that you can trust this. <laughs> Listen to this. Once set in motion as when a father blesses his child, did that today, the operation is irresistible unless thwarted by equally strong opposing forces. Does anybody know of equally strong opposing forces to Yahweh? Equally strong? I don't know of any. Let me know. It's not Joe Biden. It's not China, if there is a difference. But anyway, the operation... The operation is irresistible unless thwarted by equally strong opposing forces. Men and things which are blessed are, as it were, endowed with this power, and it can transmit it. We can transmit it, affecting everything with which they come in contact, which has been said applies to the fullest possible degree when the blessing comes directly from the deity. to the fullest possible degree when it comes from Him. All right. We all crave this. We are wired to, to receive the favor of God. We have been made as those who crave this. What is it like to, for God to look on you with favor? What is that like? I'm reminded of our, our neighbors. We have neighbor kids that come over probably too often. <laughs> And uh, they were playing basketball, and one of them, he's 12 years old, and he, he comes from a house that he's never had his dad around. His dad's not present. And uh, 
one day recently, I've known him for a couple years, but recently he comes and, he, and he's shooting some hoops um, and he wants to do some slam dunks. And, he's, and I'm around, I'm doing something, you know, fixing something, whatever, I'm around. And he says, Joe. First of all, he called me Joe. Usually I'm Benjamin's dad. <laughs> so I felt like, oh, we're bonding. <laughs> he called me Joe. And he said, Joe, look at me. Joe, won't you, won't you put your, your favor towards me? Joe, lift up your countenance upon me. Would you, would you do that for me? Watch me slam dunk. By the way, it was a mini hoop in our basement on the door. It was not impressive. This was not impressive stuff. This was not Michael Jordan. But he wanted it. He wanted the favor of a father figure to have, to look, to, to shine on him, to, to lift up the countenance upon him. And I said, that's awesome, man. You know what he did about a week later when he was now outside on the real hoop? with a big tree stump in front of it so he could stand on it. <laughs> he did it again. He said, Joe, watch me. We are wired for the approval, for the favor of our Father. It is blessing. Oh, it is a blessing. I was blessed. Just to be able to do that. See, sharing blessing blesses us because it is the heart of God to his people. My question following that is, how is this even possible? For a people like Adam and Eve, who spurn God's blessing, how do we actually ever receive it? How is this kind of blessing, unfavored favor, possible? And in the Old Testament... We see that blessing is tied to covenant. God makes covenant with his offspring. And so, in other words, you've got to be a certain kind of people that God would even bless in the first place. And then you have to keep the covenant that God gives you. This is the story of Israel. God makes a covenant with them. He says, I'm going to bless you. But then they fail. But remember, what did Adam and Eve do to receive the blessing? What did Abraham do to receive the blessing? Nothing. And so the law that Israel has to keep, the covenant, is not the final word. The final word is the favor of God. It is his sovereign freedom to bless those he wants to. The final word is not, can you keep the covenant? Do you know why? Because you can't, he knows that, he's made it that way, and he does it himself. He does it himself, why? So he can bless you. So he can pour it over you. Oodles and oodles of grace, oodles of favor, so that when you look on him, there is nothing you can come back to in yourself. It is all him. And here's what he does. How does it come to sinful people? God himself must act. He did act. 
when he put forth his own offspring, his own son. And he puts him forth from the family of Abraham. Jesus was Jewish, remember that. But it is God's offspring. And he puts him forth to both keep his covenant, which Jesus does perfectly for you, and then take the judgment of your covenant breaking, of your sin. He takes it on. And this is the redeeming work of Jesus. What do you have to do with that? Nothing. Nothing. You are born again, not of the flesh, but of the Spirit. No one chooses when they're born. No one. God has redeemed the people for himself. Now, this is a blessing on a whole new level. It can't be earned, and it can't be spurned. I, I worked on that. <laughs> can't be earned, and it can't be spurned. It is irresistible to those who truly receive it. Now, we see this in this passage. There's offspring. There's blessing. We see that, hopefully, a little better where this fits in the story of God. God's word has shown us, and he has a people that he has chosen. Out of all the nations of the earth, in this passage we're talking to Israel, this people that God has chosen out of all the nations, and he says, I'm going to bless the world through you, and they're going to take note. So what, how does this come to us? What, who are the nations? Like I said, they're, they're the peoples of the earth. They are people groups. They're not countries like we think of geopolitically today, like China, America, blah, blah, blah. They are people groups. In the scriptures, that's what this word means. A significantly large grouping of individuals who perceive themselves to have a common affinity with one another because of language and culture. These are people groups. And like God said to Abraham, this blessing is for all of them, not just one. So if we look at God's world now, we've seen the story in Scripture. What about where we are right now? What about the world that we live in? What, do, what does this mean for us? Does this mean anything for where you live? So we as Christians actually represent a lot of different people groups. Gentiles is another way to say that. If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. You're the nation's. And we do represent that. We've received blessing from Abraham. Most of you in here are not Jewish, and most of you are Christians, which means you received the blessing of Abraham as a different people group. That's awesome. We're grateful. We are blessed. But has this blessing come to every people group on the earth for all time? Has it come to every people group? You've heard us say a lot the term unreached people group at, at Redeemer. What is an unreached people group? A people group among which there's no indigenous community of believing Christians with adequate numbers and resources to evangelize this people group. That's what an unreached people group is. In other words, the gospel is not going to take root there and keep going. It's not possible the way things are. Do you know how many of these there are on the earth right now? People groups that fit that definition? 7,000, roughly. 7,000. That's nearly 40% of the world's population. That's almost 3 billion people. 
Did, did you hear that? There are nearly 3 billion people that do not have an adequate representation of the gospel near them, let alone believing it. Has the blessing of Abraham gone to all the earth? No. These people groups are composed of animists. Animism is where you believe in spirits, and it could be ancestral spirits, spirits associated with the land, all kinds of ways this manifests. Animism. A thousand of the unreached people groups are animistic. There is one Christian worker for every 60,000 animists. There's also Hindus, mostly in the country of India. 2,300 people groups are Hindu. There is one worker for every 179,000 Hindus. There's also Muslims. By the way, all these groups, Hindus, animists, Muslims, they function on that level of blessing that is magical, superstitious. You do this, you get this. You bless the God, the God blesses you. You bless the Spirit, the Spirit blesses you. I've been, we have lived in Thailand. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter how smart you are, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have. If you are a Buddhist that actually has animistic things mixed in with it, that's how you live. Okay, why? Because it's not about intellect. Oh, well, I know there aren't any gods out there. I, I read books. No, it's about the heart. What did we say about the heart? You crave blessing, and you will get it however you can. And the enemy knows this. And there are deceptive forms of blessing out there. There's lies about how to get blessing. And there are entire systems committed to enslaving people who are God's people. They are enslaved, and they don't have a clue what blessing is, and you do. You know what blessing is. You know. Go tell them. 2,800 Muslims, or 2,800 people groups are Muslim. Get this. There is one Christian worker for every 405,500 Muslims. One to 405,000. Buddhism, there's 449 people groups. One worker for every 260,000 Buddhists. So who will go to announce the good news to them? The blessing from number six. It's a famous song, like I said. It's on YouTube. Carrie Job sings it. Listen. If you have received blessing, you will be a blessing. Why are there still 405,000 Muslims for every one Christian worker if that song is so popular? We have received blessing. And if you have, you will be a blessing. You will go. You will be a blessing in the midst of the peoples, among the nations, like verse 9 says. I love good services. I love songs. I love small groups. Sorry, groups. 
But if we continue to do this like we have done for over 100 years in this country, and we continue to sit, I am skeptical if we actually know what blessing is. You have been blessed to be a blessing. Listen to this from Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us. Yes. And make his face to shine upon us. See how this theme is all throughout the Old Testament? This is from Psalm 67, repeating these phrases. Make his face to shine upon us. Why? That your way may be known on earth. Why? That your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you, God. Let all of them praise you. This is the heart of the psalmist. Isaiah has been prophesying to a people who have refused to be a blessing to the nations. They have refused. Isaiah has told them, you have not done what God called you to do. He called you to be a light upon a hill, and you have spurned it. And now you will be in exile. They have misunderstood the blessing of God, broken the covenant, and now reassessing what it means to be God's people. So how do we rightly understand what it means to be God's people? How do we understand that? Well, I think there's a significant way that this idea of blessing and our role in the earth come together. We already talked about this in Aaron. He's a priest. And what, is, what does this passage say? In verse 6, it says, You shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. He's talking to Israel. This is their calling. You will be called priests of the Lord. Well, what, is a, what does a priest do? They represent God to the people, and they represent the people to God. That's very simply put, probably an over, uh, or, uh, too simplified, but they, re they represent God to the people and the people to God. It's a unique role that they can mediate God's blessing. Okay? And then they, are, they also, they, they are part of us blessing God, the people blessing God. Blessing goes two ways. You see this in Psalm 34. Listen to this. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. What does that mean? God's been blessing me. Yeah, you get to do it to God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Praise. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. So a priest is one who both represents the people to God and God to the people. It goes both ways. And we know, because of the redeeming work of Jesus, that we as Gentiles are now partakers of this blessing, and we are now called priests. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 2. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You, Christian, are a priest of the Lord. A holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness 
into his marvelous light. You have been called to go and proclaim what God has done because you are a priest in the earth. God has set his people in the midst of the nations that they would receive blessing. So this is our calling. But how does this flow through you? Here's a couple of things. Prayer and presence. Prayer and presence. God has called you to be a priest to mediate his blessing in the earth through prayer and through presence. Pray. Pray for the nations. Operation World has great resources on how to pray for the nations. Operation World, look it up. Use scripture like Psalm 67. Pray out the word of God. Let the peoples praise you, God. Just pray. Intercede like a priest would. Pray for missionaries that you know. Listen to this quote. As our hearts are broken by the reality of sin in the world and injustice in society, then we must cry out before the Lord and pray. This broken world is not the way it's supposed to be. Tears will be wiped away when sowing leads to the resurrection harvest. And all the saints enjoy the full, unbroken presence of God in the worldwide tabernacle, which is their eternal shelter. We pray because the world is not as it should be. And we go. Presence. Your literal presence. You are a blessing in the earth because God dwells in you. If you follow Jesus, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you are the, the tabernacle of God, the temple of God in the earth. It's you. It's his body. You're called the temple. You are among the nations. So this bold witness, this being present among the peoples is especially significant among those who have never heard. And there are plenty that we know about from earlier that have never heard. So it may mean your calling is to actually go to the places of the world where few, if any, of God's people are. That might be your calling. There's a definition of a missionary that I think fits this calling. And here's the definition from Engage Global and from the International Mission Board. Here's how they define it. A disciple of Jesus set apart by the Holy Spirit, sent out by the local church to cross cultural, linguistic, and usually geographic barriers as a part of a missionary team focused on making disciples and multiplying churches among unreached peoples and places. Because all have not heard. All do not know the blessing of God. And so a missionary must go. And they must be sent. But for all of us, for all of us, we have the calling to be priests in this world who reveal the blessing of God. For you, what does this look like now? In your neighborhood. Maybe there's boys that need a father figure, that need their to have favor shown to them. Maybe there's families that need your input. Maybe there's neighbors with cancer that have been a real jerk to you and cut your grass when they weren't supposed to. <laughs> How are you a blessing to these people? How are you a blessing to your neighbor? 
What implications might it have for how you plan the next five years? How do you plan for five years? How do you plan for, for money, financial stuff? Does this overwhelm you? Is this, is this your whole goal of existing, is to have more money and a nicer house and kids that have name brands? What does your five-year plan look like? Does this affect it? Does this message of the Lord affect that? Are you sure maybe, just maybe, are you sure you aren't called to go? Are you sure? How sure are you? After hearing these kinds of numbers, after knowing God's heart for the nations, how sure are you that you just aren't called to go? Maybe you are. You have been blessed to be a blessing. I'm going to invite the team to come up. We're going to take communion this morning. Communion is a time to partake of God, to remember His blessing, to recall what He has done in His sacrifice, remember His coming and doing what you couldn't do, and taking on what you did do. Which is what we remember in communion. And we're going to take the, the bread and the, and the juice to remember his body and his blood. So I, I invite you to do that during this time of response where we will sing. We will take communion together. You're welcome to pray with each other during this time. If there's things you want to pray for and with each other. And just to receive God's blessing this morning. This is a time to do that, to focus on that. Let me pray for us. Father, we do ask that you would come even now and help us by your Holy Spirit to see what you have done toward us, to receive that, that you would soften our hearts, and God, that you would speak to us about where you are calling us to go, and that you would put people on our hearts, put people on our minds even this morning. Father, I pray for those that are feeling like it's, they can hardly get out of bed, let alone be a blessing to other people. Maybe they feel like all they are is a curse to people. They have a bad attitude. They're bitter. They're angry all the time. Father, would you speak to their heart? Would you come in power and reveal your grace to them this morning? And would you overwhelm them with your irresistible blessing. God, I ask this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.